Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. So I know that <laughs> it's really interesting when we, whenever we get around Holy Week, whenever we get around Easter, um, there's this topic of the reality of the need for hope comes up again and again and again. Um, and actually, in all of our lives, the need for hope comes up so often. And um, I think one of the reasons why we need hope is because our lives can be marked by these two, like just, Mm. villains maybe of fear and discouragement like that that sense of uh, that I mean you most likely you're facing something or you have faced something or you will face something that causes you a great amount of fear or maybe you're facing it to such a degree that you realize like I don't think I can handle this on my own and you find yourself discouraged hope is something really phenomenal because in the midst of fear in the midst of discouragement hope speaks something that cannot be spoken by almost anything else. So let's, let's define hope quick. Here's my definition of hope. And I, I, um, cause I think, here's what it is. Um, there's better definitions that are given by the church. St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas does that. The catechism does that. But um, here's what I say. I say hope is trust in another extended into the future. So it's trust in another extended to the future. Hope is not op optimism. This, you know, optimism, I don't need someone else. Uh, optimism is just, well, I, you know, I kind of hope this. That I use the word hope. Anyways, but, but true hope would be trust in another. It's incredibly relational, right? It's trust in another extended into the future. That the future can be incredibly intimidating. I can be discouraged. The future can be incredibly scary. I can be afraid. But hope is trust in another, in this case, Christian hope, is trust in Jesus extended into the future. That I know, I know, I have trust in him that regardless of what my circumstances are, regardless of what my own personal weaknesses are, my failings are, regardless of what I have or don't have, he is going to be there. I can trust him in every circumstance. Why? Because I know him. And if you know Jesus, you know that you can trust him now and you can trust him in any future circumstance. It's one of the reasons why hope, really, true hope, is what they call a fighting virtue. You have to, you have to fight for it. It's not a, the kind of the merely wishing on the side of the road, like, I hope someone stops and picks me up. Like, hope as a fighting virtue is if your car breaks down on the side of the road, you get out of the car and you start fixing the tire. Like, because why? Because hope moves. And yet, all of us, I think all of us, need hope, particularly in the face of fear and in the face of discouragement. So um, during this, again, I mentioned Holy Week, during this time of, uh, think about the time of the Lord's Passion and His Resurrection. There's these two circumstances where uh, hope was absolutely needed. And you might think, it, well, here, here's the story. You have Peter, and this is in Luke chapter 22. Uh, Peter, on the night of Christ's betrayal and his uh, false accusation, and all, the whole thing, right, the beginning of his Passion. Jesus says what's going to happen to him. He says, here's what's, I'm going to, they're going to arrest me and such. And Peter says, Lord, if I have to go to jail with you, even if I have to die with you, I will never betray you. So here's Peter who's like, no, nah, I'm pretty confident. Like, and sometimes we think that hope is being confident. Like, but he's confident where? He's saying, listen, I got it taken care of. Jesus, I'm confident in myself. I got it. Even if I have to go to jail, I'll die for you tonight. We know that later on that night, Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times. And this is just the significance of this too. Think about this. 
on the night of Peter's First Holy Communion, on the night of Peter's ordination to the new priesthood of the New Covenant, he curses God and denies even knowing Jesus, who we would imagine at this point, I think, is his best friend. But earlier before this, he says, I would go to jail, I would even die for you. Why? Well, confidence in himself, that's not hope. But here's this idea that, here's one of the things that Peter is saying. Um, Jesus, I have you, you're right here, but I don't need you. Am I right? Like, I, I got it. Like, I have you, here you are, it's wonderful. And I don't really need you because I got this taken care of in myself. We found out how that went for him. After the resurrection even, actually on the first day of the resurrection, that first Sunday, you have these two people, they're leaving Jerusalem, going to the city of Emmaus, or the town of Emmaus, um, Clopas and his companion. I like to think of this person as Mrs. Clopas. And anyway, so Clopas and Mrs. Clopas, and they're, they're, wander, they're walking away from Jerusalem, going to Emmaus, and Jesus walks up next to them, and they can't, they're prevented from recognizing him, and they're downcast, and they're very upset, obviously. They're crushed. And Jesus says, what are you talking about as you go on the way? And they say, are you the only one to Jerusalem who doesn't know about these things? that happened. What kind of things Jesus says? The things about Jesus of Nazareth, mighty, a prophet mighty in deed and word. We had hoped, he says, we had hoped that he would be the one to restore the kingdom to Israel. So they had hoped, and here's, here's but here's their discouragement. Here's their, their crushing. They, they were saying, essentially, we need him, but we don't have him. Like they knew that, like, no, no, we can't do this on our own. That's why we're leaving Jerusalem. We need him. But we don't have him. He's, he, they, he died. They even, even the funny thing is they even say, but some of our party said he's risen from the dead. So then, dude, then why are you walking away? Anyways, that's whole, that's whole nother piece. But here's these two, I don't know, cries of the heart maybe? These two wounds of the heart? Peter, I have you, but I don't need you. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas, I need you, but I don't have you. And into both people, into both situations, what does Jesus speak? What's the resurrection speak? The resurrection says something so powerful. The resurrection says, yes, you do need me. You can't do this on your own. Like none of us can go through this life on our own and absolutely none of us could get to the eternal life on our own. We need Jesus Christ. Even just to be the kind of people we're called to be, we need Jesus Christ. So unlike Peter who could say, you know, I have you, I don't need you. We say, oh Lord, I need you. But unlike Cleopas and his traveling companion, we don't say, I need you, I don't have you, because you've left us, because you've been taken away from us. We recognize, Jesus Christ, you have conquered sin, you've conquered death, you've conquered the grave, and you've come and you've drawn close to me. And even when I can't recognize you, even when I don't recognize you, even when for whatever reason I'm prevented from recognizing you, I have you. So the cry of the Christian is not this cry of fear or discouragement. Um, I need you, but I don't have you. Or I have you, but I don't need you. It's the cry of hope, which is, Lord Jesus, I need you and I have you. This is something every one of us needs to hear deeply and profoundly, not just in our ears, but in our hearts. Particularly when you're in that time of fear or that time of discouragement, to be able to say, by the grace of God, Jesus, I need you. You're the Lord. Without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm lost. And Jesus, I have you. You are here. Even if I can't see you, even if I can't feel you, I need you and I have you. You need him and you have him. This is amazing.
Jesus is very, very fond of you. For all of us here at Sense and Presents, my name is Father Mike. God bless.